0: Hey, Quantum, how's it going? Yo, it's going really good. Thank you all for being here. Just going to send out a couple tweets. I'm going to play a song here in a minute, and we'll get... Oh, it looks like Hemba was able to get up here. So yeah, let's uh, send it out and invite some people in and see who shows up.
1: Cool. Welcome. Welcome, Hemba.
2: Hey, Quantum, how you doing? Sorry, I was just sharing out the tweet. Can you hear me okay?
1: Yep, I can hear you perfectly. How's it going? Yeah, that sounds good.
2: So, how are you guys doing? What, what day is it today? What time is it? It's Tuesday. For me, and I, yeah, it's Tuesday here in the U.S. as well. It's Tuesday morning for you guys, right? Tuesday, like, uh, mid-morning on the West, and midday in the center. Yeah, I suppose
0: so. Yeah, West Coast it's still uh, morning. It's one o'clock where I'm at.
1: Yeah, it's uh, it's a seven p.m. Uh, in the UK time.
2: What about you? And it's nine p.m. for me here in Riyadh. I just got to the hotel like twenty five minutes ago.
0: Dang! Yeah, you've had a busy day. Are you Are you in the process of moving,
2: or are you um uh... A trip or what do you got going? Uh, I'm just here for two days. There's a gaming conference and a, a friend sort of doing stuff with it. And we were looking for a, a, an excuse for me to come here and check it out. Uh, so this is our excuse. I'm just here for a couple of days. It's my first time in um, in Saudi and in Riyadh. So uh, I've got my hire car. I just drove here from the airport. Um I'm in a nice spot. I'm just near like that, uh, I don't know what the building's called, but the big building on the main road. <laughs> um, and got to drive down the main road, so it's nice at nighttime. Um, it's hot here. It's a little bit hot, but uh, it's not humid, so it's actually comfortable. I was sitting outside waiting for my shuttle bus at uh, the airport, and it was 38 degrees, but the humidity's quite low, so I, I wasn't sweating or anything. It was kind of comfortable.
0: Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I'd love to hear, you know, as we get into today's discussion, um, you know, especially when we start touching on kind of future plans, whether it's related to you or the punks community, um, you know, like you just mentioned, you're at a gaming convention. So, yeah, it'd be cool later in the discussion to just touch on like the future. And, you know, if you have thoughts about gaming, you know, there's a lot of gaming um, conversations and stuff within the Crypto skulls community. So love to hear your thoughts on kind of where gaming technology and communities are headed. Um but yeah let's jump in and get this started. I have a just like a pretty outlined agenda of how we run spaces um you know x o a o and I've been hosting spaces together since May as really a way to like connect with more people not only within the crypto skulls community but other you know historical communities other o g s in the space and it's just been a really cool way for us to you know highlight different stories, capture audio from different people, um, you know, and really just get to know more people in the space better. So, yeah, thank you, Hemba, for being open to chatting today. I think you have a very unique story and, you know, uh, inspirational one. And, you know, we'll get more into it. But, um, you know, from my perspective, at least you're somewhat ahead of the times or at least ahead of me. So it's always fascinating to hear those stories. Um, I did want to touch just real quick. On a couple of quick updates from the Crypto Skulls DAO. So, XOAO and I are community managers for the DAO, and we have a bunch going on. It's been like crazy busy. We talk like hours a day. Um, but yeah, like I guess the two major projects I just want to touch on, or maybe there's three, but three of the main initiatives that we're working on is there's going to be a merchandise drop. So, we're collaborating with an artist in our community called Ocean and Sea. Um, so, that's maybe like two weeks out something that's going to be really exciting for our community, like finally to have a physical piece, a hoodie, um, you know, really custom done It's going to be super high quality with um, actually the art itself kind of, um, you know, pays pays respect to the OG art of crypto skulls, but there's kind of a more um, like artistic flair to the, to the design. So we're super excited um, about that coming up. And then the second thing is XOAO and a lot of people are organizing events for London. So nothing really concrete yet, but we're mobilizing to have um, events funded from DAO, but, you know, hopefully open to all historical communities, including all the punks and Mooncats and, you know, all of these other people that make up, you know, kind of 2011 to 2019 projects. Um so, yeah, stay on the lookout or if you're in London or know people in London, definitely reach out because I think that's one thing we're learning is like it's really hard to put on events by ourselves. But if we can incorporate more communities, more people, you know, power in numbers is really important. And, um, you know, we're I think we still are all early in this. So if we can bound together and, you know, throw a party and get together, that would be great. And then very similar to that, I'm organizing events for Art Basel in Miami in early December, so a very similar message. Like if you know people in Miami or have ideas, let's um, you know link up and throw a big party or educational event or a gallery show, and um, you know let's just keep building those relationships and have fun together. So you know, kind of part of that XOAO, I don't know if you want to piggyback real quick on that, and then you know, kind of move into um, some of the history of Hemba, his story. Um, getting into crypto, NFTs, and then, you know, as we all
1: are really aware of, CryptoPunks, of course. Cool. Thanks. Uh, thanks, Quantum. Yeah, it's great, great recap. Um, we're actually doing so, so much, actually, behind the scenes that, you know, it's, it's quite hard to just, you know, give you a, a, a quick overview. Um, but yeah, as, as you said, like the in real life experience, you know, it's it's just kind of, you know, just different right and it's always nice to meet people um and actually just want to give you a shout shout out Humber, because um you know in the previous nft uk event there was a bunch of v1 punks uh, you know namely uh frank uh, uh irish nft girl um uh so many I like cyborg so many people have said great things about you and uh you know i'm really excited to you know to learn learn more from you and and hear, hear about your story but yeah really really great to connect with people um you know like like them because they are you know just just a bunch of great people you know like they they, they have their own stories they have their own backgrounds and it was just really nice to be able to like meet new friends uh in in such a really like you know relaxed setting and it wasn't you know it wasn't so much There wasn't pressure there was just like lots of fun uh a lot, a lot of drinks uh, a lot of music uh it was great fun and and shout out to cyborg as well for uh for hosting the gallery show uh with the v1 punks and crypto skulls you know i love the relationship between both communities i think they are you know such strong communities and there's there's lots of like synergy in terms of the passion for historical NFTs. You know, it's really it, it just makes sense to have like <laughs> have conversations and and really get to know each other better. So yeah, without further ado, I just want to you know get into it uh, and and just really um you know invite Hamba to tell a story today. But yeah, so yeah, tell tell us a bit more about yourself, Hamba. You know, who <laughs> like where, where you're from. Uh, you know what? How how did you get into this space? And and yeah, tell us all. Tell tell us all about your history.
2: <laughs> thank you very much, and and thank you so much for the intro. Uh, I'm glad people are saying good things about me. Not everyone always does, but at least some people are. Um, talking about my history. Yeah, it, it goes back a while. I I first got into crypto in like 2016, um, and I mean, I'm from Brisbane in Australia, uh, but I haven't lived in Australia for quite a while. But uh, the story, of course, starts back in Brisbane. Um, I get into crypto because you use crypto to buy certain things back then. It was a really sort of frictionless thing. It was much better to use crypto. Um, So I got to know it through that, got to use it through that, uh, and then discovered, okay, well, people need a means of, of transacting crypto. Um, so uh, I set up a OTC business um, in Brisbane that was online throughout Australia. We were one of the biggest on local Bitcoins for a while there. And the magic of it was that really we only advertised on local Bitcoins and people would just find us that way. And then we'd speak, you know, uh, one-on-one and, and work a relationship and, and just do deals when it was needed. Uh, and so uh, we continued that business along through all 2016, um, through all 2017. Uh, and, of course, volume really started to pick up in 2017. Now, at some point during that time, I sort of got pilled on Ethereum and moved over a bunch of cash uh, you know, from the OTC business. I just put it into ETH. Um, but I never had anything to do with it because it was still just like, oh, it's just a, a currency, right? You know, this idea for the world computer and the world network and all that. I got super filled on it. But, yeah, there, there's nothing to do. Whereas my day-to-day was trading Bitcoin and capturing a margin between. And that was too much fun because every day was sort of a new thing. And you had to work out the challenges of moving money. You know, you you might only have a bankroll of say hundred thousand dollars, but you're trying to do volumes of several hundred thousand dollars. So how do you do that? Um, you're basically just a, a matchmaker, um, and so uh, yeah, we we keep getting bigger and bigger. Uh, eventually, I stumble upon CryptoPunks, you know, by chance. Now, prior to CryptoPunks, my only ever interactions with with Ethereum, or really even smart contracts, uh, wasn't manual. Uh, the Really, I think the only DAP I would have used would have been like a, a sort of AMM swaps. I forget the name of it, but a, a swap service. Um, other than that, I'd used exchanges and, and really that's it. So I stumble upon CryptoPunks just by chance. Uh, maybe I see a post on Reddit or something or, or I. I decide to search on Mashable um, and I see this article and I start to read through the words and I become so compelled by this, this idea. So I quickly rush over to the website and uh, see that there's still punks available to claim. And this was about a week after it launched. This was on the 16th, maybe 16th of June, 2017. I stumble upon this article and really compelled, Oh my God, I need to own this. On the Punk's website, it looked very different to what it it does today. Similar, but different. Uh, You can actually see what it looked like by going to the web archive. Um, And it's kind of cool because they've got indexes of it. Um, And so there was a list of instructions, things you had to do to claim your Punk. Um, And it was all manual interactions with the smart contract. So I read through the instructions, try and figure out how to do it, One by one, I start to claim these things. Um, While I was claiming, I see more and more people are claiming and it becomes a bit of sort of a race. I sort of knew from the the first moment that I wanted to claim as many as possible. And it's funny because uh, I caught up with Wilcox, who is the number two claimant with, you know, he only claimed about 40 less than me or something. He had the same thought. The moment he stumbled across it, he thought, I need to get as many as possible. Um, So it devolved into just this race um, where we were trying to sort of (laughs) just beat each other to get as many as possible. And of course, I think within the 24 hours after that Mashable article, it was fully minted out. In fact, it it could have been even less. Um, I think I spent probably 12 or like 18 hours straight kind of thing just claiming these punks. Um, and I ended up getting 1,050 of them. So there I am with all of these punks, you know, super chuffed, um, thinking, okay, cool. You know, I've I've done my job. This has got to be worth some kind of money here. Um, of course, there hadn't really been, been any sales yet. There wasn't really much precedent for this. It was just this experiment. Uh, everyone was pretty energized by it. Um, And we start to see a couple of sales trickling in for just a couple of bucks—five bucks, ten bucks—and so I thought to myself, you know, I did those calculations. I was like, hmm, I should try and get more. So I start, you know, looking on the market and thinking, okay, let me buy a couple more of these. And so I, I I try and buy a couple of these, probably the cheapest on market or something, five bucks each, and uh, you know, clicking buy, punk. And then there's a button that says withdraw. And so I hit the withdraw button and then I get my money back. Now, this shouldn't have happened. The withdraw button should have been for the money received by the seller, uh, the money owned by the seller of a punk um, waiting in the contract for them. But instead, the, the developers sort of get their tubes tied. And instead, me as the purchaser of a punk listed on the market, was able to hit withdraw and receive the money I spent back. So, of course, I've done like over a thousand transactions trying to get as many punks as possible. Here's my opportunity to get even more. So, one by one, I go and I start buy, withdraw, buy, withdraw, buy, withdraw. And I do that something like 50 times, 60, 70 times. Um, And I end up having something like 1,130 of these punks. Now, I went all the way up the the listings on the site from like $5 each all the way up to, I think, $70,000 for a for a punk. And before doing that one, I really hesitated because I was scared that perhaps the person on the other end could have hit the withdraw button before me and taken the money. And I would have spent like $70,000 for a punk and, in hour one. But uh, fortunately, that didn't happen, and I retained that expensive punk and my ETH. So there we were left, Uh, me as the exploitor and the largest claimer. But of course, I claimed in a few different wallets, so it wasn't immediately clear to everyone. Um, Then the developers sort of say, oh, guys, look, we've got a massive problem. Um, You know, don't list your punks for sale. We've sort of crossed our tubes. So for the next couple of days, all is silent. Um, people are sort of wondering how they're going to fix it. They were talking about proxy solutions. They were talking about, um, you know, sort of call them band-aid solutions to this problem of, you know, a critical problem. Your, your marketplace doesn't allow people to list punks for sale uh, without losing their punk. And, of course, some fun things that happened. People started listing their punks for sale for, like, $100 million. Um, And nobody called their uh, bluff But uh, yeah, a couple of days later The developers um, come out This was on the 23rd of June Uh, They came out and said Oh guys, we've we've launched a new contract And we've airdropped all of the corresponding tokens um, To the original claimants And in this new contract We've added a bid function as well So it was slightly improved the contract, um, but the identical tokens representing the identical images uh, for the punks, people claimed. And so, yeah, then life went on. Um, And uh, nobody really thought too much of it, I think, in the days afterwards. And even me, I I sort of didn't think much into it. Okay, you know, the interface was changed. Uh, I've still got these tokens, you know um and so life continued on and then you know let's fast forward to what i did during that time i mean that was the middle of june of course the market didn't top out until the end of 2017 but that was a wild six months it wasn't wild in the land of crypto punks though that was you know super quiet um it, it was uh you the the volume certainly declined pretty rapidly Um, after those those first few weeks, I guess. Uh, And so attention shifted elsewhere because the rest of the market was hot. This was ICO frenzy time. And basically, you knew you were throwing money at junk, but you also knew that you were likely to either get rugged instantly or hit like a 20X. So people were just like rolling the slot machine with these ICOs or even creating them themselves. So... ICO season was was in full fever. Of course, the market then just runs up insane. Uh, and uh, we get to the, the start of 2018, the market tops. Uh, all, all the while during this time, I'm still doing OTC. I'd actually left Australia and I started traveling, sort of thinking, well, let's just figure it out as we go. I can still do OTC online or, or wherever I'm traveling. I can just set up shop. So I went to the States. Then I ended up in Japan, um, in Tokyo. I met my wife there, my now wife there. uh, And at the same time, I started up an OTC operation in Japan while simultaneously having um, our business in Australia. So there's my room service. And so, yeah, there I was, uh, sort of sitting in my underwear like 13 hours a day doing OTC online and then putting clothes on to go outside to do OTC in person please come in thank you sorry i might have to fill some time here we got the biryani coming in just a quick intermission
0: yeah absolutely yeah take care of that hemba man that's super cool i don't know xoa if you had any initial thoughts on that but you know i always like i know a little bit about that v1 contract and the bug in it but just to hear that explanation's really fascinating Um, And I was, you know, in all of these conversations with kind of the OGs from, you know, even like a year or two ago, but yeah, thinking back five years, just like how kind of small the community was and just even like he's describing, maybe they were minted out in a day or something. Just thinking about in terms of like today's world where there's so many more people and it's still relatively small, but yeah, projects minting out in like a minute and, I don't know, maybe bot technologies or something have improved. But, um, yeah, it's just super fascinating. And I think it's just, you know, maybe the right person at the right time too to, you know, find that that well, article. It,
2: it, what's funny is, yeah, I mean, it, it's one of those things where like, you know, if I was a day late, well, I probably, I might have bought a couple, but I wouldn't have bought a thousand of them wouldn't have been possible. Right. But uh, it, it actually took a whole week to fully mint out. So, uh, uh, you know, it, it, the the space was really different back then to what it was last year and to what it is now um, in terms of the, the amount of day-to-day participants was like a thousand times less um, to the extent where imagine we didn't have a hundred people online Simultaneously on the the CryptoPunks Discord server until like 2019, kind of thing. Like that's that's the extent of how quiet it was. Um, and of course the amount of original claimants of CryptoPunks—you're talking like 130 people, 120 people—as um, opposed to the current holdership, which is three and a half thousand. Um, so yeah, it took it took a long time to mint and of course uh, that was just because it was you know it was up on github there were a few reddit um, posts and that's about it the amount of people on the the cryptocurrency or ethereum subreddit um, wasn't that high Um, but anyway uh, yeah it it took a long time to mint out where are we we're otc I i was putting on my clothes to go out and do trades in japan and so it was the most obscure thing because I'm just sort of living in this crazy world where you wake up at like 6am in the morning and you go turn on the system to start accepting trades and you just see what trades come at you. We had like a line of, um a line of Bitcoins let's call it, that we were liquidating for a few different early people, you know, tens of millions of dollars kind of thing. And so, that was good because we had this supply of coins to sell when there was huge demand and uh, there wasn't you know, that many coins being sold. Well, it was difficult to get access to exchanges back then because of the demand and because these exchanges just weren't ready. So we had all these coins and even other traders, they weren't willing to necessarily trade these coins because it was just rising so fast. So yeah, we're in a great spot there. Wake up in the morning, see what trades come your way, you know, see what margins you can get either side. In an ideal world, you you just take both sides, you take commission on both sides of a trade, uh, and then just keep duplicating that again and again and again. So if you're taking a couple of percent each side of a trade, and you're doing a hundred grand, then another hour, hundred grand, hundred grand, three hundred, etc. And so that was too much fun. Uh, Then I'd also be doing sort of cash trades with people in Tokyo. So I'd be there with like just a plastic bag full of cash. I'd be riding in the taxi, um, laptop out, tapping away with the customers in Australia. All the while I'm going to meet with somebody in Japan, to, to in Tokyo to swap the cash and the coins with them, you know, have a meal with them. And so... Yeah, that, that happened during the sort of market top. That was when it was really insane busy. Um, and then fortunately, I guess the market topped. And, and then I decided, look, let's just turn off the business for a bit because I don't really want to have to worry too much about you – know, I, I don't want to have to be trading in a currency that's just down only. So then we flipped the switch and and just sort of turned off that company. Um And instead, I started on the, I guess, BitMEX Casino. Um, I was using a Japanese one as well. I can't remember the name of it. But um, then I started trying to trade. And, you know, anyone that, that makes money trading now or knows trading knows that when you start trading, you just lose. You just lose so much. And you get so sick of losing. And hopefully by the end... you've still got enough money left uh, and then you can figure out a way to start making money trading. So, of course, I just, you know, I lose, 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 keep losing. At the same time having great fun uh, early days of Ethereum smart contracts um, where people were just creating like Ponzi's or creating like early sort of DeFi. Like it wasn't called DeFi. It wasn't Anything resembling DeFi other than it was Ponzi. Uh, shrimp farming, I remember. Goo farming. Um, there was proof of weak hands. You know, pyramid in three dimensions. Um, Phoenix coin. All, all this stuff was just so much fun. Uh, so that was where I was at in between sort of being around punks, in between trading, losing, sometimes make some money, rarely losing money, At the same time, we're talking, I think, February, March, 2018, something called Axie Infinity comes around. And uh, I think, oh, that looks kind of cool. Oh, yeah. I mean, Pokemon, crypto, you know, crates were going for like 0.3 ETH when I got to it on this pricing curve. So I started to buy these crates. And, uh, you know, that was fun. These That was when ETH was about $600 each and dropping fast. Um, So I started buying these Axie Infinity crates. I spent about $60,000, I think, or $80,000. And out of all of the ones I minted, I managed to get two out of the three rarest in the game, which are the Quad Mystics. So my RNG was super good. And so I had this really great collection of Axies and yeah, so we had that on the side. We were doing punks, you know, uh, sort of around that discord. Uh, I was essentially trying to be the market maker, but there was really not many sales happening. Punks were very much an afterthought back in these days of NFTs. Um, the hot new projects, of course, I've missed here, CryptoKitties. That was uh, really the, the sort of wonder child of that um, Ethereum top uh, where crypto kitties just sort of blew up the chain for a while. <laughs> it, it it cooked the Ethereum network single handedly. Um, yeah that that was that was that was obscene for a while. That was really how crypto sort of got this mainstream attention. And I guess that showed the power of NFTs really early on because that probably cut through to the masses quicker than anything else. I think. Um, You know, looking back. And of course, CryptoKitties is where a lot of the now famous NFT traders sort of started. That was really their genesis. Um, And that can be a blessing or a curse because a lot of them are holding some extremely heavy kitties' bags. Um, I actually didn't mint any kitties. Uh, I bought some kitties maybe last year and I'm down bad. But uh, I missed kitties. I sort of ignored it back then. Anyway, that's a tangent. We're here in the middle of of 2018. Of course, the bear market is is really starting to to come into effect, and the market really just goes down, 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 down until what middle 2018 or something, or middle 2019, even middle 2020 or something. So yeah, the the market's just shocking. Uh, All these participants leave. Everything basically goes to zero. Um, Of course, yeah, ETH goes to like $88 at some point. Um, All the while, I'm sort of trying to figure out how I can trade and make money. Different sort of NFTs going in and out. I completely slept on the whole uh, sort of super rare, uh, what's the name of it? Uh, The sort of of one-of-one art and the NFT art stuff. And imagine me back then thinking, huh, these one of ones for like 10,000 bucks. That's insane. That's crazy money. It's, it's funny to sort of look back and think that. And now of course it's the same, like a million bucks uh, for some of these sort of uh, grail one of ones. It's crazy money. And so it's the same kind of thing back then. It was also crazy money. It was just on a different scale. Um, So, Yeah, I sort of slept on that. Um, But of course, uh, then again, to complete the trifecta, I think it was early 2019 when randomly I'm I'm just sitting there. I think at this point I was in Lisbon, Portugal, sitting there on the computer and I see an announcement from the CryptoPunks Discord um, and talking about this new project. And I was sort of, I immediately see that. I'm like, okay, you know, say no more. You know, I, I fire up these wallets as quick as I can. Um, okay. It's going to cost me 0.2 ETH or something. When ETH was like 240 bucks, um, you know, we're, we're it's like 40 bucks or something. And and they're going to donate it to the charity to offset the the minting expenses. It's like it had all these formulas for just something that was going to go insane. And so, uh, I'm there, you know, trying to mint as many of these things as possible, and of course, this was the first example, I think, of at mint on chain generative, um, and so we didn't really know what this involved, but we soon discovered what it did in terms of the the gas usage, because you put in your transaction that's going to cost, say, ten bucks, and be like, whoa, ten bucks put it in there and you know it goes through. But then as soon as all the other people start to clog up the network with their $10, $11, $15 transactions, then you start you know, just bootsing your wallets, like your wallets just uh, are, are cooked. And of course you're hitting this transaction button, uh, you're hitting this mint button as many times as you can to try and uh, get as many of these things as possible. And you're just like exploding your wallets. So I think I went through like five or six different wallets trying to just claim as many as possible. And that happened for a few people too. But anyway, at the end of that, I was fortunate to have claimed, I think, 72 autoglyphs out of 512. Um, And then I think within like an hour after everything minted out, Carlini put up his his bear glyph for two ETH. And instantly I sort of do the calculations on that and snipe it um, thinking I could be crazy, but also this is the most distinctive of the collection. And so Carlini was stoked because that was like an instant 10 X. And then I think he was a bit upset because he realized, okay, maybe this could do a bit more fast forward. I think I sold that for my own, like 12 X, maybe a year later, fast forward. And and Danny's probably taken a, a few more X's than me. Um, he bought it, I think, for 25 ETH. And I think you might find that one's probably, even in this market, over 500 now, just for that one. So, yeah, I mean, congratulations. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Autoglyphs, yeah, hit the trifecta. And uh, at the same time, I was sort of gradually selling out of these axes, um, still trading, And finally, I guess we get to 2020. All the while, I've been sort of gradually selling punks. Uh, Of course, you'd be stoked when you see a sale for like 50 bucks because, you know, for a lot of time there, you were seeing like one sale a day or one sale a week kind of thing. So you see a punk sale come around and say, whoa, cool, 100 bucks. Every so often, you would have a bit of money you could withdraw from the contract, you know, pay rent or something, I don't know. And uh, so gradually selling off these punks, I think at the start of 2020, I still had about 500 punks, Um, I think, maybe a few more, um, because I'd just been gradually selling. I think I was really one of the few to really reduce their collections. Of course, there were lots of people that sort of completely sold their small collections of, say, 10 or 20. Um, plenty of stories the same as me just on a smaller scale um, but really of the wallets with size I was the only one actually reducing um, uh, and I, I guess it's, it's, it's strange to look back on it and uh, I forget the name but it was somebody who, who knows their vintage NFTs that sort of explained it well uh, CryptoPunks wasn't the darling of 2017, 2018, 2019, even 2020, nobody really cared about CryptoPunks. Uh, the talk during those years was completely different stuff. And in fact, the real main darling back then was NFT art. So one-of-one one stuff or, or, you know, stuff that really took effort. Uh, uh, it's a bad way to say it, but unique stuff rather than just sort of collections now of course there was there was flavor of the month stuff that came around. I can't even remember it, but there was flavor of the month stuff uh where that would just get some volume and then it would sort of collapse. Um there was like a card trading game there was you know a couple of sort of uh pixel game kind of things but I never really paid much attention to it. Um and of course those projects were really the darlings of the now famous sort of NFT traders. Um, They were sort of running in between those ones. And maybe once a year that sort of come into punks and and just sort of pump the market up, take 20%, take 30% um, and then sort of go elsewhere. Um, I was interested to see that actually pranked, he had, he's gone through 634 punks. Um, that he's bought and sold or that he's owned at any one point. Um, and that's that's just because each sort of period, uh, he'd come in and buy up a whole bunch, then sell them, buy a whole bunch and then sell them. Um, I guess that's his M.O. Uh, and so, yeah, Punks didn't really get any love until the end of 2020 or sort of mid-2020. And this coincided with the launch of Rarible because Rareable was offering um, trading incentives, which back then, I could be wrong, back then was actually kind of novel in terms of, you know, it's, it's now, uh, it's something that looks Rare did pretty famously. Um, but they offered incentives where they'd give out a certain amount of RARI, Tokens um, after each week of trading. And so, of course, people were wash trading so much. Like people were running their own laundries. It was a lot of fun. Um, and, you know, there were some massive laundromats there. Kirby was one of them. I think Pranked was one of them. Uh, of course, lots of us sort of either in conjunction with each other or not. And so, as it relates to punks, you had to wrap the punks to trade them on Rarible because Rarible was a a 721 marketplace, the the modern standard. And so people then weren't trading punks via the built-in mechanism and via the interface on the punks website. They were going and wrapping them using a third-party wrapper and then trading them on Rarible to get the RARI rewards. And so uh, this corresponded with with defi summer and it was insane like all my attention was over there because you know i cannot turn down the idea of getting like 200,000% APY that's that is my wet dream and so i was completely focused over there and just you know doing really well i'd finally figured out how to start trading and making money but this was just like easy mode this defy stuff. Um, and I know a few people who got in really early and did insanely well. And so all my attention was there. And, and suddenly I've got, I think back then it was, maybe it was like a million bucks worth of punks, half a million bucks worth of punks, whatever it was. And it was just sort of idle money in my mind. You know, me as, me as OTC guy, me as a trader, I'm wanting to compound my money. I'm wanting to be liquid. Um, and so I'm thinking, oh, these punks, they're not doing anything. It's just dead money. Okay, here's my opportunity with this rareable reward sort of scheme to capitalise on this this sort of obviously uh fake market, obviously fake volume, because people just wanted to mine the rewards, um, to get an exit. Then with those, you know, well into six figures, throw that into DeFi and hit my twenty X. And then I can buy all of the punks. Then I'll buy everyone's punks. So that was my strategy. And so I end up gradually sort of on this pump selling, I think I, I think this pump ran it from like one ETH to five ETH for all these punks. So I go and sell, I think like 400, 350, 300 punks or so, at the end of 2020. Super chuffed, use all this cash and start like monkeying into all kinds of different like vegetable farming options and uh you know nefarious mints on scan. you know the the seedier the better Um and of course yeah. i did super well uh we we saw the the punk sort of market on rareable top out i think with the rewards and then it started to sort of you know drop and slow down and, you know, as it does and so here I was thinking, Oh, I'm a genius, you know, sold it out on this pump. I've, um, you know, done really well in defy. You know, I think I 10 X real quick. And so I was like, all right, fantastic. The plan is working. I was talking with a bunch of friends about, okay, what price do we buy back all the pumps? And I think we were looking at like one ETH or one and a half ETH each. um, thinking, okay, yeah, we're going to buy all of them. And, uh, You know, of course, doing well in the market, sort of distracted over there. Punks are dropping, dropping, dropping. I think they dropped to like two ETH at their lowest. And this then brings us into 2021. Now, I remember putting on like a massive call option on ETH when ETH was like, I don't know, 400 bucks or something. And the call option was for like $1,200. And that took us from 2020 to 2021, you know, that 10X or something. So I was on top of the world. Fantastic. Let's buy some cheap punks. Now, what happened? They didn't get cheaper. They just kept going up more and more. So as ETH rose against USD, punks started to rise even faster. And then I'm not exactly sure of the timing, but we started to see them really go uh, in conjunction Mm -hmm. with the MiBets drop. And this was because at the start of 2021, punks were only about, I think $5,000 each, more or less. Now, as soon as they had the me bit drop, you got one me bit for every punk you held. Uh, that me bit drop was at the top of the market. That was like $10,000 um, cash value. So suddenly you factor that in, that pumps up the value of punks um, and they just keep running. And then so the, the and punks were, of course, the story of 2021. They ran until topping in like August or something for like $450,000 each. And so, you know, we're at the, the start of 2021. Of course, the market's just running up, 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 up. Uh, everyone's making stupid money. You know, you've already made a bit from DeFi and now ETH is just up only. And you're young. You're you're leveraged to the tits, of course. And so, and I was quite comfortable with my decision for a while. You know, punks were rising. I was a bit upset about that because I wasn't able to buy back in, but I was thinking, okay, you know, I've outperformed it. And suddenly punks 10 X, then they do another two X, then they do another two X, then they two X, then they two X. And pretty quickly you see that in the space of like six months, they've done like a hundred X and you're like, ha ah, yeah, I can't outperform that. So of course we hit the top of the market. Punks are the, the talk of the town. Uh, I, I, I remember I was away from one of my discords for a while there. And I came back to like just hundreds of messages. And so these were combination of, you know, asking about punks and this and that, you know, random stuff to all these people suddenly sort of discovering V1s and sort of, you know, can I buy some? Or oh, can you sell, can you sell this and this and this? And so that in conjunction with sort of my earlier learned experience with sort of rappers and, and different sort of agitating that I did and different uh, things that I saw in terms of V1s, you know, people collecting things or whatever, uh, led me to think, okay, at some point, these V1 tokens are gonna come back around. At some point, this conversation is gonna come back in a big way. And so I was just sort of patiently waiting for that to happen, you know, seeing what could work, talking to a few people, oh, what about this? What about this? Uh, And then uh, suddenly I get like a a random DM from Cyborg saying, hey, uh, I claimed V1s back in 2017. I know you have a lot. Uh, We're building a wrapper. Do you want to join the Discord? Uh, Okay, cool. Yeah, sure. Join the Discord. Frank's there, of course. Simon's there. Uh, Cyborg's there. Um, And we set about sort of figuring out, okay, well, how are we going to do this? What are we going to call it? Uh, What's the background color going to be? This and this and that. And that was, I think, December 2021. Uh, And then over the following month, two months, uh, we go and publish the wrapper, publish the site, and the rest is history. How was that monologue?
3: That was dank, to put it lightly, I think. Pretty sick to hear that story. And actually, I have a question for you. Um, I've heard you tell the story a couple of times, but I think not to that in in depth fascinating every time to hear it um so total you claimed around one thousand one hundred and fifty
1: uh, i'm not, uh, not sure if quantum's uh uh busy but, but yeah <laughs> Hember, uh yeah that was that was amazing yeah just hold a, on x o a o yeah, i'm just kind of figuring out can you hear me hold on x o a o can you
2: we, we got a Baldi speaking
0: yeah can you hear baldy speak x o a o no sorry Oh, oh, weird. I'll, okay. I'll,
3: I'll shut up. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, so my question was, you claimed around, you said 1,150 of, of what we now know as V1 punks, correct?
2: No, so actually I claimed, I think it was 1,054 of what we now know as V1s. Um, and then I exploited, I think it was, it's somewhere around 70, 60 or 70. I've got a report that's written up and I'm I'm going through it. And so the total number I had after after all was I think eleven eleven ten, eleven twenty, something like that. And so of course and then- I, I think I held an equal amount or greater than the devs who held a thousand and then about a hundred in a side wallet.
3: So and then you were dropped the what we now know as V two, so then you had in total over twenty two hundred or so, is that correct?
2: yeah yeah so i was dropped 1050 of the v2s um so yeah if you if you total it up it's like 2300 punks out of 20000
3: so at the time obviously you knew that or you felt that the this collection was significant and you felt compelled to collect it what did you think at the time about this contract um error and issue and the fact that there were now a duplicate of the same collection and had did you talk to anyone at the time about the issue with the contract and how did they feel about it?
2: I didn't. Yeah, I, I didn't actually think too much about it. I think I, after all that sort of claiming and that energy, I slept for a while and uh, I didn't really pay much attention to it because I figured, okay, well, you know, they're going to have to figure something out. Um, I don't know. Like, the mood back then really was, oh, wow, this is cool. This is unique. But people weren't really expecting a financial return from it. You know, I, I was I, I was able to sort of, you know, do the risk reward in my head and think, okay, well, for my time spent here, for the cost of transactions, I'm probably going to get a return. It's probably worth my time. But it's not as if I was sitting there thinking, oh, I'm going to make 10000 bucks on this. Like it was... It was very much a thing of this is cool and I really like it um, and this probably makes money um, and, you know, this is an opportunity. So, I yeah, I didn't actually put a huge amount of thought into this situation. It was more just like, okay, well, you know, they'll figure it out. I, that was sort of, there wasn't absolute consensus in terms of the community, but it was sort of like, oh, well, you know, The experiment was cool. If it works out, it works out. Uh, Let's see what they come up with. And so, you know, there was discussion about which solution they might have. A few people offered to help with this or this or this, but it was just sort of like, oh, let's see what happens.
3: So then I think obviously you kept the V1s in your wallet. You didn't bother selling them because you knew the exploit and that you would end up losing the money because someone would just take it back from you essentially. So up until the wrapper was created, those V, what we now know as V1 Punks really just sat dormant in those wallets. Is that correct?
2: Yeah, so uh, there's been a few wrappers over the years. Um, uh, There was a wrapper. I actually had... Sort of friend or people linked to me um, start to work on a wrapper solution in I think early 2021. Um, now prior to this, prior to early 2021, there was some LTC happening. In fact, in at some point in 2021, Mister 703 bought a V1 Alien for a really good price, and there were a few people making different sort of sales privately. Um, but a, a friend of mine made up this wrapper solution. And I wrapped a few punks and put them up there. Um, I think I sold about two. I didn't really publicize the site. It was more just like if people DM'd me asking, I'd say, okay, well, let's figure it out. Let's um, you can buy it here. Um, you know, we just make a trade. Uh, at the same time, there was another um, site that was dev'd by Fubar in conjunction with another person. I think they called that Classic Punks and it still exists today. And so that wrapper was, I think, quite widely used. Maybe the total punks it had was like 500. Um, and so that was the solution. That was the de facto solution um, up until the new rapper and community was formed, uh, really 2022. Um, so to answer the question, uh, yeah, basically my punks didn't really move. Basically, all the ones that I claimed, all the ones that I exploited sat there substantively. You know, a few would have moved here and there, but I basically sold less than a handful, um, I think, up until 2021.
3: Very cool. And then I also had a question about uh, your experience that you were telling us about with CryptoKitties. I I think probably there's probably some people in the audience who may have some very significant CryptoKitties bags. I have zero. Uh, I constantly uh, flame Leonidas because I think they're very weird looking and I have no intent of ever purchasing one in my life. Um, but I want to hear your take about whether you think there's any value proposition for CryptoKitties given the enormous supply. I'm not sure how familiar with our, you are with the collection. I'm vaguely aware that there is some subset of the earlier sections where there, there's some scarcity uh, and there is increased value. What are your thoughts on on whether you think other collectors might be interested in them in the future, or which ones they may be interested in?
2: Yeah, good question. I I bought. I think I spent about like forty five thousand dollars on kitties. You know, I think when ETH was high, I, I can't remember. Forty five ETH or something. Um, I spent on kitties at some point. And you know, in terms of which kitties have value, you're right. There's way too many of them, and for the layperson discovering kitties, it's overwhelming. Ninety-nine point nine percent of them are worthless junk. <clears throat> However, there is a small fraction that I think do have a really good uh, value proposition. And so, I'm not really an expert on kitties. However, There are a couple of of one-of-ones. There is the Genesis that sold for, I think, 140 ETH way back then. Over the years, guys like Nate, guys like Pranksy, I think have offered like a million bucks for it. And the purchaser of that Genesis has never sold. It, I think, sold in an auction, maybe 140,000 US or something, 140 ETH. Um, There's another one-of-one that that, uh, Nate has bought. I think he spent 600,000 on that. Um, and then there's founders. Now I could be wrong here, but I think there's about 150 founders. Um, then there's a couple of different sort of rare traits, you know, the gen gen one founders kind of thing. There's a few that you should consider. Um, and there's a lot that you shouldn't even think. About. Now you just have to sort of go into it and consider, but, There's basically no liquidity right now. There's there's no buyers. There's no sellers to my knowledge. However, there really is a strong case for it, in my opinion. A lot of these OGs have tried and failed to pump it for a long time. Um, It did pump there at one point, but it was like a two-week kind of pump. Um, And unfortunately, I didn't get that exit. But, uh, yeah, kiddies... I think it's, yeah, I think it's an interesting bet. And at some point it'll come around.
3: Okay. And then I have one more question. Um, so I also found very interesting in your, in your storytelling that you echoed what we've, what I've heard and, and what other people have heard in terms of the significance of CryptoPunks punks and the popularity didn't really seem to take steam until kind of like towards the end of 2020 and then the early 2021, where it started kind of going parabolic. Um, it seemed to penetrate, you know, mainstream pop culture. The public became very much aware of it, and NFTs. Um, so, uh, people, I'm sure, going to roll their eyes a little bit. But um, did, were you aware of crypto skulls in 2019 when they minted? Um, and do you, if any, what significance do you find that they? Uh, Alex created them you know. prior to that mass adoption or, or, or mainstream penetration of CryptoPunks. And what are your thoughts around the art and the project in general? And you can be as absolutely blunt as you want. We encourage it.
2: Yeah, thank you. So uh, firstly, credit Blackstars in the audience. He was the one that, that sort of really light bulbed me onto this uh, when we spoke, I think, a couple of weeks ago, where, you know, punks weren't the darling of 2017 2018 2019 it was all these other things you know uh, uh you know flavor of the month stuff and so i was completely tuned out to that nft market completely because i thought it was junk all of that stuff back then um and i thought that the the 1 of 1 art whilst it was obviously good looking cool It was also one of the things of like, well, yeah, you can just right-click, save it. So why would somebody actually care about $10,000 for this thing? You know, it was kind of that kind of thinking. i just like, wow, that's such a huge amount of money to spend on on really just a digital thing. Let's remember that the reason why these one-of-one and what we consider grail, uh, digital art from that era is valuable now is because of what came after it, right? It's only significant because of how massive the space is now. If you were buying it back then, I mean, you were either insanely smart or just insane, you know, or super passionate about it. You had too much money because really, you know, oh, you had this amazing foresight, right? Because who the hell is spending 10,000 bucks on stuff that, you know, is so sort of novel, new kind of thing, you know, looking back on it, of course, we think, wow, well, you know, it's, that was pivotal, you know, it's, that's fundamental work to what we now know in, in NFT art. Um, You know, of course it's, of course it's valuable. Of course people are going to desire it, but uh, the market was just so small back then and, people weren't as wealthy. The market was so much less speculative and we were in the worst bear market of recent memory. So, okay. Then we get the skulls. I, I didn't have a clue. I, I never knew about skulls until recently because um, I was just so tuned out with the market. I think uh, for me, if I'm making a bet because of a historical reason, I'm betting uh, kitties or earlier, kind of thing. I'm betting 721 standard, you know, before 721 standard. If I'm betting for the reason of historical, um, but I think there is still a a use case to bet on stuff like skulls based on fundamentally community and also the fact that well, there is still a claim to say well, 2019 was the depths of the bear market. So it's pretty legit in terms of it's not just some 2021 copy-paste project. Now, I do see too that, you know, there is the narrative to say it's the second 10K PFP collection. And that's, you know, a fair enough claim to make. So I think it's got a compelling enough narrative. The driver of that narrative, I think, as always with NFT collections, is community. And so I am fundamentally bearish on 99% of NFTs because 99% of them are worthless copy-paste junk. They're not innovative. They're just the same thing, you know, repeated over and over for the sake of speculating because they just traded like altcoins. Now, that isn't to say the underlying technology isn't pivotal and in the future it will accelerate humans' digitalization, and the way that we have a common standard for uh, a common standard for digitalizing items of value um, and reflecting ownership online of things of value uh, so the technology is fine you know, that will continue to be useful in the future uh, of course, certain projects are important because. Uh, they represent that sort of digital real estate, you know, that undisputed ownership of this thing that was sort of the genesis of, of this NFT idea. The stuff in between, though, junk. Uh, unless it's got community and it represents something. Um, so, if there's strong enough narratives that a community can latch onto, and there's a strong enough feeling that a community can latch onto, fantastic. If you can add to that an actual stake to some kind of providence, a stake to, okay, we were early at this, we were inspirational in this, um, we represent this, um, then much better. So that's why I I do think that there's such a strong narrative and opportunity for, uh, inverted commas, historic NFTs, because they've always got that underlying narrative, not all of them, but generally they've got that narrative of, well, we were first, we inspired something, people learned from us. Um, So uh, you contrast that with modern collections where you're competing with hundreds of other collections for people's attention and people's liquidity. Um, Why would they care about yours? As opposed to the other, what's the real narrative?
3: Yeah, I think you you raised some great points. I, I, I've heard the same as well, and, and I agree the same. Like prior to the ERC seven twenty one, a lot of those projects were you know very innovative, very early, and distinctly the first at doing many of the things that they were doing. Um, one of the things that I found compelling about skulls was that it is so far we have not been able to refute the first set of Images of skulls in on any blockchain. So I thought that is pretty cool. And we have lots of quote unquote archaeologists in here listening. Um, if there's any prior skull projects, I would be certainly interested in those because I find them to be a pretty uh, ubiquitous image um, that's universal around the world and people can identify with. Uh, so it's, it was really cool to hear your story. And thank you for sharing that. And uh, I asked a lot of questions, so I'll, I'll give it back to uh, XOIO and Quantum, since this is really their their space. Yeah, thanks, Valdi.
0: Always enjoy you up here on the stage. And I think you bring a lot of like very important questions and then also you know deep, deep questions. And I know there's probably things you're thinking about all the time on your own um i I guess it would be like maybe jolly roger would come before of course but um on doge doge party i believe um but at least related to skulls on ethereum here we are but yeah hemba i did have a question just related to like the culture and you know i've been thinking a lot about irl meetups and networking like that's been a thought like a lot of work that I'm doing right now is about that and creating opportunities for our community and for really people as part of the historical community in general to get together and network. I guess, like, what was that like back in, um, like, say, 2017 or 18 or 19? Like, was there any focus on, like, networking and, like, did you have an opportunity to get to know like other punks at that time or kind of when did that happen? Was there a point where that transformed where like community building and, you know, IRL networking became more of a focus? So that's like part one. And then part two is just, yeah, where do you, what are your plans for punks going forward or what are your hopes and dreams, Um, you know, for V1s and punks as a larger um, like symbol, you know, into 2023 and beyond?
2: Yep, good question. Now, to give context to to that, I guess you sort of got to go back to the core thinking of crypto, which was anonymity or pseudo-anonymity, I can't say it. Um, you know, using a using a fake name kind of thing. Uh crypto was created to allow people to transact without you know, governments or third parties stopping them, essentially. Um, it also allowed you to, you know, move money cross borders, which was difficult back in the day. Um, and so that culture of sort of cyberpunk um, carried through directly to crypto where people didn't really do IRL meetings. You know, it, it wasn't as common as it is today. Of course, it still happened. There were still meetup groups Um, development meetup groups uh, that was a thriving community but generally when I was doing OTC I'm not asking for people's names or I would so far as I needed to legally wouldn't ask for anything more because it was about privacy the thing was you don't dox yourself you don't share any extra information why would you? It's, it's not relevant to it and it's also where well, you've got to cover yourself. Um, the crypto was associated, you know, 100% with crime back then. And it wasn't necessarily true. Um, there were just everyday folk who, who wanted to transact um, or internet guys who, who discovered it early uh, and saw its usefulness. So that carried on to punks because those people that were there in 2017 generally... They, I think, shared the same ethos uh, in terms of if they're in the crypto space, it's it's privacy focused. Um, maybe they were, you know, techie people. Uh, and so punks, I I didn't meet a punk for the longest time. In fact, maybe I didn't meet a fellow punk owner until this year kind of thing. Um, because me too, I I didn't necessarily go and meet people, or at least not under a known identity. Uh, I actually have nostalgia for the OTC meetings I used to have when I would meet somebody and trade hundreds of thousands of dollars because I wouldn't even ask their name, really. Um, And you'd just enjoy a lunch together, talk about whatever you wanted to, but you didn't need to ask about, oh, so what do you do? Oh, you know, do you have a family? Where do you live? Um, What are your hobbies? You you sort of, you skip straight past that and you just talk about other stuff. And you know, if somebody else wants to share information, you just soak it in, but you don't go and ask. And so I kind of have nostalgia for that in crypto. Um, But of course I've been online uh, in in sort of crypto space on computers for a while. Uh, And I guess it's the same kind of continuation So I never really did IRL events early on. I got my IRL fix from just sort of doing my business. Um, And subsequent to that, it was just all online. Uh, I started going to a couple of events this year. And whilst I agree meeting people is nice and fun and all, I don't really want to go to sort of big events in the future because I got sick of getting shilled to like incessant shilling or people sort of approaching you with a really obvious agenda. Um, and that sort of just turned me off. Like people approaching you as if it was a job interview when I'm just there to shoot the breeze kind of thing. So, uh, I'll go and meet IRL if it's like for social stuff or if it's for a targeted, you know, discussion about some kind of business. Um, the in-between sort of thing, the Hawker kind of gig, um, not really the biggest fan of, but, uh, you know, that's, that's, that's negative Hember. Um, sorry, you had a second part to that question. First part was Punk's sort of IRL meeting. Th- there wasn't much of it going on. The Punk's market was generally dead for years. It really only sort of magically revived in 2020 um, and 2021. Uh, and, of course, subsequent to that, we've seen more and more punks gatherings. However, you know, up until I held that um, the party for the five-year anniversary in 2021, in 2022, I don't know, years go by, uh, in Austin, Consensus, that was the largest gathering of punks they've ever had, right? Uh, so punks never really met up. Um, there was never really a a, a centrally organized um, effort to form a community to really you know create that kind of connection um, and Of course, subsequent to that, we saw at nFT NYC a huge meetup of punks. I think there was over a hundred there um, and so you know that 's now the biggest gathering of punks um, and now we 're finally seeing punk holders. Uh, think okay well now that the the collection's been sold to Yuga well we as punks have to you know take the initiative we can't just wait for somebody else to do it we have to define what punkism is and and what we want punks to to represent and what utility we want to to give punks Um, and so that started to happen this year where a lot of people have started creating these initiatives um, on their own uh, in different directions. Um, and that should continue. Um, the second part of your question, please.
1: It was it was mainly uh, like the future, um, I guess your hopes and dreams for, for the Punks community, but also like the historical NFT space as a whole. Like how do you see the future, you know, moving and, You know, what what is your take on on that? Thanks.
2: Yeah, so it's it's a continuation of what we've just started to see recently, where it's punks themselves taking the initiative, not asking permission, not waiting around for somebody else to do it, just doing it and creating things of value for uh, punks as a culture, as a Web3 culture, and also creating for the wider community it's ignoring the sort of the elitist stuff that, that that's crept in um over time uh it's ignoring the sort of uh you know divisiveness shutting people out because of what they own or don't own um and i think going back to okay what does this collection represent And when I use this as my PFP or a derivative of this as my PFP, what am I representing? What am I paying homage to? Well, I'm paying homage to the collection that did it best early on and showed the example early on. Um, We didn't necessarily know it at the time. We didn't necessarily know it in the years following. But I think punks is the clearest thing we can point to now and we will point to in the future of being the the experiment and the the genesis of NFTs. Uh, now, this is just sort of off the cuff, so I might piss off a few people with my wording there. But I think you get the point. So uh, you know, that's what punks represents. Um, it represents somebody that is a is an idle figure that has maybe a good opinion, maybe somebody that's trustworthy, maybe somebody that's OG, uh, maybe somebody that knows their way around Ethereum smart contracts, because of course, those early claimants generally, they knew what they were doing techno- technically. Um, you know, They were in the space. Not many were in the space uh, back then. So uh, it's, punks, I I think, opening up, but also working together to create more and to form that sort of organized community, um, just like we've seen modern NFT collections do. Uh, Those organized communities of people, whether they form DAOs or or what have you, um, it's that energy that's all working together to, to build this up. Or even if they're not working together, it's in conjunction. It's under the same sort of banner. Um, rather than sort of fighting these disjointed uh, efforts, it's a it's a group thing. So yeah, that's the future. It's it's everyone sort of reuniting, and I also believe it's not just the crypto punks um, sort of uniting and, and building up for crypto punks. It's all punks. If you own a crypto punk, if you own a punk, any of the hundreds of thousands of different punks that exist in various different forms that were inspired by the CryptoPunks. Um, you know, your derivative might be worth 0.1 sol, right? Uh, it, it might be worth three Tezos. However, it's still a punk and it pays homage to CryptoPunks. And CryptoPunks and punkism is this, you know, web three cultural thing that I think people can rally around. So that is the future of punks.
0: Yeah. I love hearing that. Hemba. Thank you for sharing that. I heard you say something similar a couple of weeks ago in one of the radio shows that you've been hosting and it really resonated with me. Um, and it's always good to hear. I hope that was, you know, inspirational to some folks listening as well. This, this the idea of this broader um, community and concept and feeling and, um, you know, it's more than just an a- aesthetic. It's a, like a way of life almost within punkism.
2: Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think one of the, the finest examples of it at the moment is sort of what funks are doing. Um and of course funks have a different angle, um, but funks are creating things for the wider web three community. Um they're doing things sort of off their own back. Uh, they've obviously got their DAO sort of up and running. Um I think I think there's a there's a future where punks can organize together um throughout the various different collections. Um and sort of form this thriving community of everyone. And so, you know, I've I've started to sort of set up for this punk radio and I'm just sort of working out when we're going to start, what the format will be. But basically it's let's give a weekly voice to punks and punkism. Let's have the interviews with the, whether they're early claimants, whether they're late claimants the people around the punks universe are doing cool stuff. Like that's fact. I could go and interview every single punks owner. You know, it could be three and a half thousand from the crypto punks collection, 800 from the V1 collection, tens of thousands more from all the other collections. You know, I'd I'd be there every single day, the rest of my life and I'd be getting cool stories. So uh, we can start to share those. We can start to form a conversation. Um, And from that, I think you can start enterprise. You can start opportunities. Uh, You can build things around um, this punk's idea and this punk's feeling.
0: Yeah, I did want to invite anyone else up. If you have questions, feel free to hit the invite button. Love to have you up here. There's you know, a lot of really amazing people in the room today. Thanks for joining us also on this Tuesday to chat with Hemba. Um, I guess I'll give everyone a minute. If you do want to invite up, just hit request and I'll, I'll let you up. Um, XOAO, did you have any specific questions or are you online?
1: Yes. Yeah. So I had some issues earlier, but uh, yeah, thanks uh, for 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 the questions. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I, I see quite a few punks uh, in the community. Um, shout out to Nuno, the uh, uh, honourable uh, Irish. Uh, Irish kind of said, uh, you know, just basically said like to give them a shout out because they they are great punks and they join the community uh, from Crypto Skulls. So yeah, um, yeah, well, uh, great to have you and yeah, welcome Blackstar. He's just joined the stage. Do you have a question?
4: Uh, hello, guys. Um, I'm not particularly, I just wanted to say hi to HEMBA and to Quantum and to all the others. Um, it's always nice to hear the story of HEMBA, uh, which was which is very unique and um, kind of uh, a very pure experience and uh, like an archetypical experience. And uh, I think a lot of people can learn from uh, from his story and uh, also the, the way he thinks uh, is very, very uh, clear. He has a very uh, a good sense of reasoning, and I agree with him in uh, in the matter that uh, most NFTs will go to zero because they're in a constant uh, state of competition um, around vapor. Where products or false promises, and um, yeah, I, I think that in the coming years, people will naturally um, gravitate towards uh, the pre-ERC721 stuff, but also strong communities who have a narrative that makes sense, um, like Skulls, for example. And um, yeah, I uh, I'm looking forward. Just uh, to see that, uh, to to see that to see that coming, right? To 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 see how this thesis establish itself uh, upon the space in uh, in, yeah, in the in the times to come.
2: And and when it does, Blackstar, you can say, "I told you so."
4: Yeah, I think that's uh, one of the the things I I uh, I will do the most (laughs) because like the idea of just uh, collecting old stuff and like historical or vintage NFTs, however you want to call them, they they have received so much uh, unnecessary and unfair backlash from people who, who don't really have any arguments. Right. So there are a small amount of people who get it. And, um, a lot, lots of people who, who just, uh, yeah they don't have really argu- arguments right it's it's very very interesting and uh yeah i mean we saw the whole thesis already playing out with punks right i think i can i can say with uh with the certainty that one of the main reasons punks became so successful is because all these years people believed that they were the first nfts on eth right and they they pumped to like 450k US dollars per punk and like a multi billion market cap and um, I don't see why other projects in uh, around punks before punks and also after um, in the next run will will get close to that as well right there is no no counter argument really people love just collecting the the, the oldest stuff. And if they cannot afford, like, the Holy Grails, they will look for the next one, the next one in the timeline or whatever. And uh, it will trickle down eventually. And it's just a matter of time, right? And then we will say, yeah, we said so all the time. (laughs) And you have, like, animal pictures still, which are uh, zero at zero.
2: yeah it makes a lot of sense from that perspective, doesn't it? Sort of saying, well, you know if punks went this high and went this hard, well, why can't you know x or y or z um examples that that have also a strong sort of narrative leg to to fall onto It makes sense uh, that perspective Leonidas, long time, no speak How you hey,
5: I just wanted to come up and say uh... First of all, it's always an honor and pleasure to just hear you tell that story. And I think you're one of the better storytellers in this space. And I'm really excited to hear that you're going to, you know, be taking that talent uh, more regularly to uh, this uh, punk radio. Like, that's just excellent idea, sir. I'm uh, definitely going to be tuning in. And then I uh, wanted to also say Blackstar, I'm uh, very excited for that moment in time where you get to tell people uh, <laughs> you told them so, because I, I see you in the... In the you know, the replies and the threads on Twitter with, you know, people who, you know, maybe they're, I don't know, like, they're, people are just here for different reasons. They're, like, not maybe as into the collecting as much as the, you know, this is, like, really fun and there's a community and Stars in there making, like, highly sophisticated arguments. And it's just, I, I really enjoy, uh, I really enjoy uh, kind of reading. I, I don't dive in uh, too much just because I don't like to create too much of a drama with other people and stuff, but I, uh, I love to see that you're out there uh, fighting the good fight for us. So uh, thank you for that. Um, so yeah, I, I don't have a question or anything necessarily. I just, I think it's cool to see uh, all of this kind of evolving and playing out. And uh, V1 Punks are truly one of the more unique historical collections uh, that really, you know, to Boxstar's point, you know, it's it's kind of like this bell curve. Like we started 2021 with, Hey, there's like two historical projects. Like this is what I believed. My first two acquisitions in 2021 of NFTs was a CryptoPunk and a founder CryptoKitty because these are the only two I was aware of. But naturally, as more people learn, it's not like it's this black and white thing. Like you're either one of these great old projects or you're worthless. It's it's obviously a bell curve, right? Um, and I, I think that's that's the kind of healthier way to think about it. And uh, you know, V1s were just one of those things that kind of got caught on the bell curve eventually. And then rose up and it turns out like, you know, this is a, this is a really, this is a narrative that's really strong with a lot of the people who have this deep belief in the Web3 ethos and on-chain uh, provenance. And and uh, it really resonates with a lot of people, obviously, including myself. I'm obviously biased, um, but uh, yeah, just wanted to come up here and uh, thank you guys Himba. I'm glad to hear everything's going well with you and um, it's good good to just talk to you guys.
2: Thank you very much. Yeah, this, uh, this punk radio is going to be a bit of fun. It 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 might be a bit of work, too. I'm going to go the full shebang and, you know, film myself, do the YouTubes. And uh, I don't know how to do the TikToks, but I might have to engage somebody to help me with the TikToks. But, uh, you know, start to sort of lead uh, a bit of a voice around punks, not necessarily just being sort of punk maxis, but you know, starting to create opinions and create an organized voice around all kinds of things. There's the biryani coming up in Web3. I think there's huge opportunities there. And and it's impressive sort of how the the historic or the vintage community um, is grouping together the way it is. And I think that's a massive opportunity as well. Uh, I've seen, I think, a couple of new discords come about and different communities permeate I know that Blackstar you were I think the co-founder of Ether Relics Discord uh, which I think is the OG vintage community Um, and I think yeah, there's a huge opportunity there because you can unite all of these people around the same feeling Uh, you can be allies because you're writing that same narrative Uh, if If your collection does well, so will mine. Because we're sort of, uh, we're on the same, uh, we're the same sort of asset class, call it. Uh, We're in the same sector of the community. Um, So, yeah, I've lost my tangent. Leo, good to speak to you. Likewise. Uh,
4: Yes, uh, exactly. So I was uh, there at... I'm not the co-founder of Eth Relics, but I was a mod there, and Eth Relics was like the very first Discord channel, um, which was dedicated to um, to old NFTs, right? This was like in March or April 2021. It was like uh, right after Curio cards and Mooncats and Etheria um, were rediscovered, and um, yeah, the the Discord quickly. Was was very quickly dead, right? And then Adam McBride made his one, um, and then I thought, well, uh, it it would make sense to to create a place where everyone, where everyone is like believing in the same uh, the same thesis, right? And then I, I came up with NFT relics, uh, me and uh, two others who are like uh, in the shadows. <laughs> And uh, yeah, on the technical side, and um, yeah, NFT relics still active, right? We have all the um, all contract dates and all projects from Namecoin to uh, to Crypto Skulls and also live sales bot and uh, counterparty uh, price explorer everything, and um, yeah, we also have a little bit of self promotion right here just uh, <laughs> if it's okay we have the relic Style coming up um which is like a small um council of uh, of people who were very active in the vintage nft space and we have acquired a lot of mist coin and mist coin is like the first shit coin on eth it doesn't have any monetary value but we thought well let's uh, distribute it to the vintage community and everyone who um who, yeah, who did something for the vintage community in the past? He can uh, leave a comment on Relic Stell on the Twitter, on the on the post there, and uh, tell tell us what he did, and then we uh, decide on distribute uh, distributing some uh, Mist Coin on you, so for fun.
2: It's, that's a that's a cool way to do it, rather than just sort of minting a new shit coin you actually go back and, and, and buy the first shit shitcoin yeah. um, and airdrop that to people. That's cool. <laughs> now, I also do know, and I don't know if this is public info, but uh, perhaps yourself and, and Leo are working on this uh, information source for various different um, historic collections, uh, which I think is is a really good initiative. And a way for people to pretty quickly get all this info they want on a specific collection, but more generally, have you know these dozen or so collections all together where you can select you you can see all of these different historic collections then you can learn about them instantly. Can you share that? So there's there's like
5: probably about five or six different uh, kind of information sources uh that people are building so i i'm assuming maybe you talked to sean uh who wrote the wiki for nfthistory.org for view on punks but uh like Blackstar, i don't know if you want to talk about your timeline a little bit uh like i've checked out the NFT relics like timeline page i don't know like like the wiki i'm working on is essentially an alpha right now like I'm not sharing it or talking about it a ton uh and i don't know like if y'all's timeline is in the same state Blackstar, but Um, there's definitely cool stuff in the works. Like, Boxstar, I don't know if you want to talk about that timeline.
4: Yeah, so we made an interactive timeline, um, and it's... Yeah. (laughs) I don't know what to say. It's uh, close to to finish, but it's already up, right? And I think it's also partially working in the sense that um, if you... Go onto a let's say you go to V1 Punks, uh, you can you can join the Discord. You can join NFT Relics. There's a link where uh, you get directly um, to the to the Discord um, channel and to the V1 section, right? And then you have all the information. It's like these. Uh, these cards of cards. i don't know how to say it but like um you have like an overview of every project there and uh, there are all the links we try to to get all to get to people into the discord right because that's like where the community lives and um, there are also a lot of other websites like oldnft.com which is pretty good um yeah I, i can send you the links amber
0: yeah, thanks Blackstar. I do need to do some more digging into NFT relics. I know I've been on the site and you know, your your infographic and Leonidas and White Rabbits and all of those have been super influential to me getting deeper into vintage NFTs and historicals. Um, so I guess yeah, maybe Hemba, the the project that you're maybe most referring to is just what I had talked to you about. So it's not 100% public yet, but it's a project that Leonidas has been working on and talking about and dreaming about for the last like nine months. And then XOAO and myself are really kind of leading the way and running with the ball. Um, So we will be working on a virtual museum, a historical NFT museum, mostly showcasing the collections that skull holders are holding. Um, And I think that's one thing that like has attracted us to the crypto skulls community. And I think, just looking at a lot of the active members of our community, um, Leonidas, maybe as being like the, the, the biggest bag holding example, but you know, we're all, we're all aspiring to be. Um, but yeah, there's like a common theme of we love all of these projects and we love the art and the story and the lore and everything about it. Um, you know, like I just picked up some Pixerium. I think I picked up like three pixels like a couple of days ago. So I'm trying to build the right and a lot of the community members that we have in crypto Skulls are also doing the same, like little by little, um, you know, making their collections for us. And then, you know, in my, in my mind, I'm like, I'm collecting for my kids too. So we are working on building a virtual interactive museum that would serve two primary functions. One being educating people about this timeline and really putting it in a visual like gallery, um, an art gallery type environment where people can explore not only one piece of art and link to OpenSea or potentially, you know, Discord or whatever other links, but then also hear audio and um, you know, down the road in maybe version one or two of the museum, as we continue to build it, like there will be video components and we want it to be very interactive as if you were in um, you know, a museum of history somewhere else or an art gallery. But yeah, we want to make it more than just like the NFT because we want to include those stories as part of it. And then the two, the second other main component of that is to provide a social um, opportunity and a networking opportunity. So like within the gallery, being able to actually like talk and interact, um, potentially like host tours within the space with folks like Blackstar Leonidas or Adam or, you know, yourself, Hemba, like have you be there talking about punk history within this space. So that's a project we're going to have a lot more information coming out about soon. Um, But yeah, open invitation to folks to like, you know, hit me up if you have ideas or, you know, are interested in that. Um, I don't know if XOAO has more to say. We've been talking to Leonidas, of course, on the similar thing, but yeah, Blackstar, you have your hand raised on that.
4: Uh, Yeah. I just wanted to ask uh, where, where do you build it? Is it like on the the central land or is it um, on Kyber or,
0: yeah, yeah, absolutely. So we've been exploring a lot of different platforms. Of course, we really love, you know, on Cyber and what they're doing in OM. Um, we haven't really been looking at like Sandbox or Decentraland, mostly because you know we're a lot of us like a pretty clean looking environment. Um, and maybe there's some other critiques of those spaces I don't want to really get into right now. But what we're looking at right now is um, is a somewhat lesser-known metaverse space called Simulacra, um, and details hopefully will be solidified with working with their team to build that out. So it would be a private space. It's using Unreal Engine, though. Quantum, right. Quantum toured me uh,
5: through, like, this demo space because he, like, knows somebody from the team, and uh, it's pretty neat. It's, like, it's, they're, they're specifically, like, kind of catering it towards, like, educational and, like, museums, Um, not even just in our gallery, but like literally education through like VR. They're a VR company, but also have this like cool web experience. And I would tend to say it's very much in the spirit of On Cyber. Like this is like my personal kind of opinion is that the metaverse is like the product market fit that we're starting to see is, hey, here's a link and you just get dropped into this space in your browser rather than, you know, some of these other spaces where they're really cool and people have built awesome stuff. But the user experience of like actually going in there and socializing, Hasn't quite fit, or you have to download some software. It's like just really complicated. So I'm I'm a fan of this metaverse trend. There's like uh, portals, spatial on Cyber. This one that Quantum said they're all building this system where you just drop a link and you can bounce between all four of them. You know your ENS name pops up above your head. It's all this is like this excites me a lot to see that metaverse starting to kind of come together. Um, And and, uh, Decentraland and Sandbox and some of these are really cool. They're just uh, they're building like this crazy grand vision. And what I feel like people really want is like, hey, here's a link. Just come chat with me in here. Right. Um, so, yeah, it's it's, uh, it's interesting. And I, I think uh, Quantum and XOAO, they're kind of laying the foundation. And we've been having talks about what this museum will be like. So I'm really excited to kind of move forward with this and display a bunch of historical NFTs that are held by schoolholders in this historical NFT museum. I think it's a cool thing.
4: Interesting. Um yeah, I'm looking forward uh, to to see what you guys uh, <laughs> uh build. I have one one question, uh the last one and that's uh, are you guys coming to HNFT Fest in Barcelona? The and Hemba <laughs> and the others here.
5: So I'm I'm undecided if I'm going to go. Um I think it's a really cool thing. I'm definitely like being like I'm very happy that uh, Dada is like you know taking the initiative, putting it on. They've got a bunch of really awesome people uh, lined up to speak. Blackstar, I know you're uh, planning to speak there, um, but yeah, I, I'm personally undecided, like um, if I'm gonna head over there or not. But yeah, I don't know, uh, or or Quantum XOAO, or do you guys have plans?
2: Or... Yeah, I, I'm I'm gonna not do crypto events for a bit of time. Uh, I still go and travel and meet people um, when I need to or if I'm in a city and, and there's somebody there but uh, I'm going to avoid I think big conference type stuff for crypto just at the moment if I can and you know, send somebody else if I need to um, plus I want to enjoy Dubai Dubai is fantastic in the winter so I'll be trying to get a good six months over there
1: and your bye, Hamba. Um, yeah, I I did volunteer in my hand, uh, you know, I to, to go as well. You know, I'm happy to to yeah just just show up and and you know represent girls uh, as 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 a as a, as a Crypto DAO uh, community manager. But um, yeah, I, Irish as well potentially might be going. Uh, but both me uh, and Irish are, are speaking at NFT London, so that's going to be great as well. Uh, yeah, but his, historical NFT festival is going to be. Yeah, it looks pretty awesome and, uh, you know, good luck with that. And, yeah, hopefully, you know, I, I think I think Adam McBride and uh, White Rabbit is going to be there as well. So that'll, that'll be really interesting as a conversation. But, yeah, just to, to your point, really, like, it's about, you know, to add to Quantum and what he said about the Skull Museum, it's an opportunity for us to, like, really socialise, you know, both virtually and in real life. You know, our, our vision is to, like, connect all the different historical projects together and, you know, build a community that, you know, everyone can can be part of and, like, have a voice, you know, and, and tell their story. Like Adam was saying in the space that we we interviewed him, he was like, you know, it's, it's the story, it's the lore of the projects that really, like, you know, captures the, you know, the the historical uh, narrative and, um, yeah, and how, how we onboard new people to the space. Like, how do we get, you know... the the future generations to like to, to understand, to be educated, to, you know, to, to preserve the historical legacy of, of what, you know, what we, what we call historical NFT. So yeah, really great stuff. And, you know, in real life presence is definitely really important. So yeah, hopefully, yeah, hopefully, uh, you know, that would be a, you know, a great event and you'll enjoy it. Thank you. Um, is there any other questions, uh, Quantum, do you have any other questions? No, I think this was a really
0: awesome discussion today. And yeah, thank you so much, Hemba. I think that part about just like the future, and you know, I agree with you in Blackstar and I'm sure Leonidas has a similar feeling too, where you know there are so many projects that will just kind of sit on the sideline or disappear into the the metaverse somewhere, collect dust somewhere. But um, you know, I think that's kind of one of the main things why we're looking at this music museum and like really going forward with that idea of like, how do we bring people together both in the virtual sense, but then also how do we translate that idea to IRL experience too? Cause I think Emma, you had said earlier, like it really is going to come down to groups that have a community around them. And how do we really like foster this idea of collecting and, you know, speaking to Eric Rhodes, who will also be, in um, um, Barcelona, speaking about his art, you know, he was saying he was saying that kind of the same idea. Like, and maybe you had a similar experience to him, but like people at one point were really collecting. Not everyone, of course, but some people were collecting just based on like the art itself and an attraction to colors or an image. Um, you know, it wasn't all about just like, the potential to make money. Um, So kind of, like, harkening back to that, like, how do we really, like, bound together about celebrating, like, the historical art as a whole collection? Like, it is beautiful. There are so many colors and, you know, experimental technologies that came about. And, um, you know, I think that's the community we're trying to build is folks that really, like, embody and love all of those things, you know, and if we end up making a bunch of money and, you know, retiring early or something like awesome, but yeah, it's beyond that. It's about the relationships and um, yeah, being here in this space today and, you know, five years ago and, you know, moving forward into the future. But yeah, thanks so and, much, Emba.
2: And, and quantum uh, definitely it's about having that community but it's not having this like closed community is it? I, I'm bearish on closed communities or bearish on hyper tribalistic communities. If, if you as a community are unwilling to, to accept different ideas or unwilling to sort of, it's the wrong word, but pivot or, or be open to, to, uh, where's the wording, uh, be open to discuss or, or be happy about other collections um, you've got to I can't think point I'm making is these communities that are closed off that are just sort of echo chambers oh this collection is the best the collection we have is the best is the best It's the best It's the only one. Oh, if you don't own this you need to own this I don't like those I think they're dumb I think the people are dumb I think the better way to go forward is to embrace um uh, you know e- embrace everyone's right to enjoy all types of collections um you know own what they wanna own or don't you know it, it
4: doesn't really matter.
2: it's about the feeling associated with that home right it's it's an open home it's not this sort of closed you know frat private frat house where you rag on the other frat houses um it's sort of the town hall kind of thing so bullish on town hall style communities
5: wow well himba it's an excellent point i literally completely couldn't agree more don't can't disagree with anything you said there um pleasure speaking to you blackstar quantum xoao thank you guys for hosting this the dow and uh Skulls like really appreciate. I love the conversations like this that we get to host. And Himba, this was awesome, dude. H- have a great one, guys. Yeah,
2: thank you thank- so much. Thanks, Himba. Thanks, Himba. Thanks, Quantum. Appreciate your time. Thanks, X. Thanks, Blackstar. Thank you. Sorry if my monologue was a bit too long. Thank you. Bye bye.
0: No, it's awesome. All right. Thank you all for mm-hmm. attending. To appreciate it, and yeah, catch you on Twitter or Discord. See you later. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. Thanks.